Um, let, let me share a little bit uh, with you this morning from our, our series, He Loves Us. The series was born out of um, just a reading I, I was reading on the plane on one of our trips recently. I think we were going, I don't know where we were going, to Ghana, Togo, Benin. Thank you. Thank you. I sure appreciate that, Pastor. The other pastor who was with us didn't, didn't help me. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I mean, these people go, well, you're the preacher, go. Just. No, but we were going there, and I was reading First, uh, first John, and it was just so beautiful. And, I, and then Sister Rose called and, and asked, well, what are you going to be preaching this Sunday you'll get back? And I just said, First John. And, and uh, the fact that God loves us so much is seen in this, this, this uh, epistle. It is so amazing, so powerful. But what I also see here is, is that uh, John is strongly against sin. He, he, he's powerfully against sin. Uh, sometimes sometimes we, we are soft in that subject, on that subject. We're just really soft. I don't know why we're so soft, but we are. And uh, I have some, some views about it, but I'm, I'm not too sure about all of those things. But what I also found out about uh, in First John is that God's love for us is shaping us, is making us better. Sometimes we think it's our love for God that is so big, but it is really not. The love that we express toward God is love that he has poured into us and now we are now loving and and the love that we show for one another is not because somehow we have a love ability we, we don't have that but god gives it to us and what i find is that the, the the longer i've lived and maybe i'm sort of a slow student i'm not sure maybe i'm a slow student but the longer i live the more i realize the effect of God's love for me. God's love for me removes from me uh, self-centeredness and, and selfishness and things like that. And it's, I find that it is even removing from me those things that I can hardly tolerate in myself or others. It's, it's, it's removing it. It's, it is, I, I know I'm in process, but it is removing that. It, it, the love of God is just so awesome for us. It gives us confidence in our walk with God. So let's, let's, let's go to the scriptures. I have entitled this, What Love? Like uh, with an exclamation mark, what love, you know, of God. Let's look at 1 John chapter 2, verses 28 and 29. If you're there. And now, little children, abide in him, that when he appears, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. So he gives us a command. This is a command. He says, he, he says he's talking to his little children, but he's talking to all of us, John is, and he says, abide in him. So what that means is that we must be intentional about our walk with God. 
we must be intentional. He says, abide in him, remain in him, stay in him. So that means do nothing that will damage your fellowship with God the Father. Because if your fellowship is damaged with God the Father, I promise you, your fellowship is damaged between your brothers and sisters. You cannot keep fellowship with your brothers and sisters in Christ if, you're da if you've damaged your fellowship with the Father. And he says, do this, abide in him, because if you really abide in him, he's not speaking of, of in a, a sense of being a part of a, of a church, but he's saying abide in him relationally, abide in him in fellowship, have the same interest that God has, have the same love for God that God has for you, because your love is derived from his love for you. He says... Abide in him, remain in him, stay in him, be at home in him, dwell in him, so that when he comes, you and I will have confidence and not be ashamed. We'll have confidence and not be ashamed. If you know, or since you know, that he is righteous, you know that everyone who practices righteousness is born of him. What a great statement. He says, this is what you know, since you know that he is righteous because our righteousness is derived from him. We have righteousness because of him, because of faith in him. He says, since you know, or it's if you know, but it's the context is since you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone that practices righteousness is born of him. So what John is doing, he's giving us an understanding uh, so that you and I can walk out this life in confidence and in victory. Confidence knowing that, oh, you're practicing righteousness, so you are born of God, because those who are not born of God cannot practice righteousness. When you and I were in our sins, we were free from righteousness. We, we, the righteousness was in another dimension. It was not in the one where we were. He says here, it is Christ, Jesus our Lord, in whom, in whom, we have boldness and access with confidence through faith in him. So then, then Paul tells us that we have this confidence, we have this boldness because of Christ. That is, we can come to the throne of God and be confident because of our relationship in Jesus Christ. I find it very exciting. Jesus Christ is indispensable to every gift of God. Jesus Christ is indispensable to every blessing of God. Jesus Christ is indispensable to every plan of God. And so if you want to be in God's plan to fulfill God's purposes, as our brother said, you must be in Christ. Must be in Christ. So Paul here talks about, um, along with John, having boldness or confidence, having assurance and access. You want to have this boldness and access. You have this access with God, uh, to God and with God. First John 3, 21, and I want to call several witnesses. When I preach, I like to call witnesses. Uh, we never teach it in this fellowship. We never teach without uh, two, a doctrine rather, without two or more witnesses. And so every truth that we speak, we need to bring some scriptural witnesses. All right? And so let's bring... Um, 1 John 3, 21, as a witness. He says, Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence toward God. So if you are going for God, you know you've lived a raggedy life, you don't have any confidence. 
You just don't have confidence. You've been raggedy. And, uh, but if you have done what God says, if you have obeyed the Lord, and you have really tried with all your heart, even if you had a couple of stumbles, it's okay. And, and we know it's okay because when our little children are trying to walk and they fall down, what do we do? Pick them up and say, baby, yeah, you can do it. Come on, come on. Come on, baby. We, we do that. And so does God. We learn that from God. And so he says, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence or assurance toward God. So when your heart doesn't condemn you, you have this assurance that, that everything is all right, that God's not angry with you. God's not, as it were, mad with you. No, he loves you. Now, when, in, saying, in saying that, sometimes our heart might condemn us. So God leaves a, a, a way to him for you if your heart should condemn you. Sometimes our heart will condemn us. It's telling the truth on us, and sometimes it's exaggerating, you know. But if our heart does condemn us, God is greater than our hearts. You know, if, so God says, okay, I'm going to push the override button, baby. Come on in. Are you with me? Hallelujah, somebody. And, and 1 John 4, 17 is my next witness. It says, love has been perfected among us in this. Love has been perfected. I, I, it was maybe this year that I realized that, that God's work in us is perfecting his love in us. His love being perfected, coming to maturity, makes us better. It's only the love of God poured out in us that makes us better. Wow. Wow, that's big, isn't it? So you are being made better not by how much you know intellectually, but how much you are receiving the love that God has for you. That's what makes you better. Love has been perfected among us in this, that. So God is perfecting love, bringing love to maturity, bringing love to completion. Why? That we may have boldness, may have confidence, may have assurance in the day of judgment. So when, when Jesus comes uh, for us, we're not going to be judged as whether we go to heaven or not. That's, that's not the case. But, but when, when Jesus comes and we're standing before the judgment seat, the bema, we're, we're coming to the bema, we're going to walk up to the bema. Yes, Lord. You know, confident, bold, not, uh, uh, you, know. <laughs> you know, I wish I had, you know, but because sin has been dealt with. Sin has already been dealt with. So we're not going to have, he's not going to, you know, batty with sin, but, but whether or not you have reward or not. In 1 John 5, 14, it says, now this is the confidence or the assurance that we have in him that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Boy, that's great. Now, so, he, so the writer is saying that you and I must have this confidence and can have this confidence that if we ask anything uh, according to his will, he hears us. He hears us. If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And, and if you were to, for example, ask for uh, $10 million, you say, God, I want $10 million. He says, I've been wanting to give that to that girl. Take it in Jesus' name. I mean, that's what, he, that's what this is saying. Or maybe you're saying, I, I want my children to be saved. I want them to stop acting crazy. He says, I'm going to do it. I'll, I'll, I'm going to spend some time with your children. I'm going to teach them. And, and every one of them that I teach is going to come to Jesus. So that's what God is saying to the believer. You and I should live this life with great uh, joy, you know, great happiness, excitement, knowing that 
All of our children are going to be taught by God, and great is going to be the peace of our children. It doesn't matter. I'm an example of both the elder brother and the prodigal. Yeah, judgmental little boy. Remember being a judgmental little boy. I don't see why, God, you saved them. You know, they've just been acting so crazy. And then one day I got the bug, the crazy bug, was bitten by it. Right? So, so I've been both the prodigal and the elder brother. And God, God talks to us. God ministers to us. God loves us. And, and his job or his desire, his heart is not to punish us. It's not, that's not what he's done. He took his wrath out on Christ. But you are not to act the way, you know, you know crazy. Let's use that as a, as a word. Don't act crazy, you know, because God took all his wrath out on his son. Because when you and I do these things, we sin, we crucify the Lord afresh. We crucify him and put him to an open shame. So let us live holy and righteous lives. Amen. Let me give you another example. In Acts twenty-two fourteen, 14, Ananias said to Paul, the God of our fathers has chosen you that you should know his will and see the just one. And hear the voice of his mouth. And isn't that powerful? So you know, we read this in the scripture, and we're excited that, that the God of our fathers has chosen Paul. But has he chosen you? Yes. He, the God of our fathers, the God of heaven, the creator of the ends of the universe, has chosen you. He has chosen you that you should know his will that you should not live ignorantly in the world. You should know his will, and you should see the Lord. I've seen the Lord. I've not seen him with my eyes, but I have surely seen him. I'm going to recognize him when I get to heaven. If there are a myriad of people there, I'm going to recognize the Lord. I'm going to go right to the Lord. I'm going to pass mom and dad, brothers and sisters, grandma, and go right to the Lord. Yeah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Because I've seen him with my spiritual eye, and I will see him with my natural eye. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. And so the Bible gives us an understanding. And in John 7, verse 18 is my, my last witness for this section. He says, he who speaks from himself seeks his own glory. So be very careful how you speak. You know, say, he who speaks from himself, seeks his own glory. But he who seeks the glory of the one who sent him is true, and no unrighteousness is in him. So what, what Jesus is saying to us in John 7, 18, is that you are not allowed by God to bring your opinions to the word table. You're not allowed to bring your opinion. Well, this is what I think. This is what I think. Oh, this is my opinion. No, we want to know what God is saying. Because when you speak um, from yourself, you seek his own glory. And your own glory. And when you speak from yourself, you're doing the, the same thing that the devil did. Because when the devil speaks, the Bible says he speaks from his own resources. He doesn't use God's word. He uses it his own resources. So you don't want to speak from yourself. Well, this is just what I think. This is my experience. You know, how many of you here would admit that some of our experiences are lying experiences? They're not in accord with the Word of God. So they, that means that they are lying experiences. So in 1 John chapter 3, verses 1 through 9, we'll see how many of these we can get to. 
So he's still talking about this amazing love that God has for us. You are here because God loves you. Every one of you is here because God loves you. You are not here because you were better than your little friends. You are here because God loves you. Amen. God loves you. And I want that to sink deeply within your heart. God loves you. Because the first time someone um, rejects us, we feel, I just don't feel love. What? How dare you say, I don't feel love? Because God loves you. God gave his only begotten son for you. For God so loved you that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever, you, you are the whosoever. All you have to do is believe in him. Believe what God has done for you. And the Bible says you will have everlasting life. Now, who is sad about everlasting life? Because there's everlasting death. It, it, it opposes everlasting life, everlasting life, everlasting death. See, death is not annihilation. Death has to do with being separated. And, and I don't want to, I just, it gives me great fear and trembling to think that I could live forever without God. Whew. Now, I can't live forever without God because God is in here somewhere. Yeah. He is in here, so I'm not going to live forever. You're not going to live forever without God. But there are some who are going to live forever without God because they've not wanted God. They have not believed in the only begotten Son of God. They don't care about Jesus. They use Jesus as a swear word. And so one day they'll get it. They'll finally get it, and they'll live forever without God. But listen, this is amazing. It's amazing what God says about you. He says, because you believe in him, you will not perish. You shall 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 not perish. But he says here, behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us. What manner of love? So John is just excited. He's saying, wow, what manner of love. I mean, John is not just being intellectual about this. Sometimes we, we think, have you ever heard, heard anybody apologize for being smart? They don't, people don't apologize for being smart. They apologize for being emotional. Always. Well, I'm sorry, I'm so emotional. But then I wish they'd say, I'm sorry, I just think I'm so smart. <laughs> that would be the right one. But John says this, he says this with emotion. He says, behold what men of love, look at this, a love, gaze at it, fix your attention on this love that the Father has bestowed upon us. What are you talking about? That we should be called the children of God. So what he's talking about, he's talking about antithesis here. He is saying that we were the antithesis, the polar opposite. We were in another dimension. We were uh, separated from God, apart from God. We were rebellious. We were worthy of nothing. And now, look at the love that God the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called children of God. But some of us here today, we go, give me something deep. <laughs> There's nothing deeper. You're a child of God. You know, I, I've had people to say things like, I wish I'd been in another family because their family was so bad, so dysfunctional. I've even had people say, I wish, I wish you were my dad. 
so I can be your, your spiritual dad, I can. I can take you and I can love you and I can teach you and I can tell you everything. But now, listen, that's one, one dimension. But now, he says, you are God's child. Now, this, this, the implications of this are so great. I will not go there. Uh, Brother Stan and I were talking about this recently. You know, there's some of these things that I know are true, but I'm not going there. I'm not going there. You are a born one of God. When, when, when the scripture uses the term like technon or technia, when he uses that, he's talking about being born. And like in, when the scripture when, uh, says that he came to his own and his own received him not, but those who, who received him, to them he gave the right to be children of God. Wow. He gave us the right. He gave those, we were born of God. So that means we were birthed of God in, in, the, in, in, a, in a very, in the same way that Jesus was birthed of God. Now, now I'm not going too far there. Don't you get, don't, 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 don't get any expectations. But, but what happened with Jesus, uh, Mary was, um, you, you know, this virgin, and the, and the angel Gabriel says, when, when she says, how can this happen? I, I'm a virgin. I don't know a man. I'm not, how can I have a child? He, he said, the Holy Spirit is going to come upon you, and he's going to overshadow you, and, and uh, that holy one that's in your womb will be called Son of God. Wow. Wow. And so what happened, Jesus tells us in John chapter 3, I believe it's verse 3, when he says, they, uh, that which is born of the flesh is flesh. Look, I'm looking at flesh people, you know, in a, in a manner. I'm looking at flesh people. And so I know your parents were human because I look at you and I see it. He said, but that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Not a spirit, is spirit. So you and I have been born of the spirit of God. The word of God has brought us forth. That's amazing. The scripture says, by his own will, he has brought us forth. Wow. Wow. Come on. You know, I, 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 is there something, is there something that, that we, a game like foosball, I think, I don't know if it's a foosball. Is there some, you remember this ball that they can throw at each other and it won't hurt you, but they, the kids play games? Nerf ball. I wish I had some Nerf balls. Just a big pile of up here. I would just come out here and just throw them at some of y'all. Yeah, just throw them at you. Yeah, just throw them at you. Let the camera catch them and say they weren't paying attention. They, they, weren't, they weren't even excited about being sons and children of God. <laughs> I, 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 but this is amazing, isn't it? This is, this is good stuff. This is really good stuff. So, he says, John goes on to say in this second part of verse 1, he says, therefore the world does not know us because it did not know him. So John is giving us amazing information. He is showing you why you are often rejected, why you don't get the promotion, why, why you don't get the job. Because there's a spirit who works in the sons of disobedience. And there's the spirit of God who is in you. And the spirit... Of, uh, who works in the sons of disobedience is like the demoniac in uh, Capernaum when Jesus walked into the synagogue and the first thing he says, he wasn't saying anything about the Pharisees and the doctors of the law. He wasn't saying anything about the scribe. But the moment Jesus walked, he said, I know who you are. Thank you, Jesus. 
You know, there are spirits out here in the world. This world is in darkness. And if you don't know that, keep coming to church, you'll know it. This world's in darkness. And when you walk in, those spirits, you don't hear them, but they say, we know who you are, and I'm going to give you a rough time here. That's what they do. Jesus says here, therefore the world does not know us. Why? Because we are God's children. We are God's children. Because they did not know him, the Son of God. Jesus came and they didn't recognize him. They didn't know who he was. They rejected him. They rejected him and they killed him. Ephesians 2, verse 4 says, But God, who is rich in mercy, but God, who is rich in mercy. Now, he speaks of our former state and now our present state. Listen, I, I don't know. I, I tend to be a very grateful person. Um, you know, I, I, I think that's been me pretty much all my life. I'm very grateful. You do something for me, I may think about it for, for, for years. That's just the way I am. I'm in my bed. I'll say, Lord, thank you for so and so. They did that wonderful thing. You know, 10 years ago, you know, 30 years ago, I tend to be like that. I want you to be like that with Jesus. Be grateful for the fact that he saved you. Don't ever let salvation become an old thing to you. You know, that Jesus gave a great price for you. Are you with me? You and I were dead in trespasses and sins. We were aliens and we were strangers from the covenants and from the covenant wealth of Israel. That is, the wealth of Israel. It wasn't talking about gold and silver and, and pomegranates and all that. It wasn't talking about that stuff. We, we, we were aliens from God. We lived in the world, but we had no covenant relationship with God. But God, who is rich in mercy, for with his great lo love with which he loved us, but God who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses. We were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. This is powerful. So what does he say? He said, whatever's going on in your life, don't worry, don't sweat it. Because when you were dead, steeped in trespasses, he, he made you alive, but not just made you alive. That's, that's phenomenal that he made us alive, but he made us alive together with Christ. <laughs> Whoa. He raised Christ and you too. Look at the wisdom of God. And then he's, he, he inserts parenthetically by grace. You have been saved. So he wants us to know that it's not by works you have done. It's not that you will say, oh, I got tired. Oh, I was sick of that. Oh, no, no. You got sick of it because God poured out his grace on you. You, you, get, you got tired of it because God blessed you. That's why you did. You didn't get to that point on your own. And so John is saying, what love? What? This is amazing love. If you've ever been unloved, you ought to know this love. Human love has a limit. Even the best human love has a limit. But this love is limitless. So by grace you've been saved. Everybody here, you're here by the grace of God, not by any other means. You have the grace of God. 
So you ought to just give some, some glory to Jesus for the grace of God. It's the grace of God. It's the grace of God. It's the grace of God that I stand here. It's the grace of God. I say to my friends who, who, who are hyper grace, I say to my friends, and I've got friends and brothers, and you do too, I say to them, grace is a person. Grace is not a, an object, an inanimate thing. It's not a something. It's a person. It's a someone. And the Bible says that, that the law came through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Grace and truth. Grace is a person. And so we've been saved by this grace. We, we were made alive together with, with Christ. We were raised up together with Christ and made to sit together in the heavenly places in Christ. What, a, what an amazing blessing that God has done. He says, this is love, man. If he were one of those, those street dudes, he'd say, hey, man, he made us alive, man. Raise us up together, dude. Man, us to sit together in heavenly places, Jack. You know, some of those guys outpraise us, but I've, I've determined I'm not going to let them outpraise me. No, no, those guys get saved. They get radically saved. Yeah, I'm radically saved. Hallelujah. Why did God do this? That in the ages to come, this is amazing stuff. That in the ages to come, you know, I, I was with my, one of my granddaughters, I was with one of my sweet granddaughters. I, I, you know, I told you a story about how I raised our children. We raised our children. I said to my kids, I don't know if Miss Marva said it like this, but I said to my kids, I said, uh, you can say anything to your dad as long as you say it respectfully. And that's how I am. And, uh, and uh, then I said the same thing to my grandchildren. So I was in the, I picked up one of my grandchildren, my granddaughter's one of them, and uh, uh, one day here this week, and I had grown a little hair over my, my lip. And, and so I said, uh, what do you think? She said, hmm. I'm searching for a word. So I just gave her some time to find what she was searching for. And I said, okay, what is it? She said, well, how do I look? Mm. Aged. So this is not the ages we're talking about here in the scripture. Yeah, you know, I've, I've only lived a, little, a short while. You know, it's amazing when you're young, you want to live to get old. When you get old, you want your Lord to keep extending it, right? I want an extended warranty. I want to get some more warranty. But even at that, it does not compare to what Paul, uh, the Scripture is saying here, what Paul is saying here in Ephesians 2. He's saying that, it, that God has done all this, what, made us alive together with Christ, raised us up together, made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ, that in the ages to come, that in the ages to come, eon and eon of time to come, that he might show the exceeding riches of his grace. The exceeding riches. That means riches that go beyond superabundance. We are children of God. Sons of the living God. 
And he has been working a process in us. And you've got to be excited. You've got to bless God for that. This is better than owning a Rolls Royce. This is better than having a million dollars. This is better than having a billion dollars. That you are a son of God. You are a child of God. No weapon formed against you can prosper. You are always led in triumph. When the enemy takes his best shot at you, you keep going. Hallelujah. More than a conqueror. That's big stuff. Big stuff. That's who you are. Don't get your eyes off Jesus. Don't, get your, don't be short-sighted. Just stay on your feet and I'll be done. If you stay on your feet, I'll finish. That in the ages to come, he might show, demonstrate, showcase the exceeding of his grace and his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. This is what he's doing. This is what God is doing. It's amazing. Right now, here we are in the human body. It's not, it's not all that, really. It's, I mean, it's wonderful, but it's not all that. Because it's been sin-riddled. Sin-riddled. But there's a place in each one of us. God has given us a new heart. And, and the Spirit of God, it's a, such a mystery. But the Spirit of God dwells in us now. And it dwells in us in such a manner that the greatest surgeon cannot find it. The devil cannot expose it. He has no access to it. And so we are now a new being. God calls us a new creation. A new creation, Amy. That's huge. A new creation because we are in the spirit. And now he's He's taking us through all kinds of trials and things we don't understand, things we hate, and things we pray against. But he takes us through anyway. Have you ever been, been praying against it? Lord, I just pray against it in the name of Jesus. And you just keep walking right through it. I pray against it. And God is taking you through it. He takes it through so that everything he has done in your spirit, everything he has done in your heart, he is now doing it in your soul. He's doing it in your soul. He's renovating your soul. Renovating your thinking. Renovating your imaginations. And one day he's going to perfect it. And then lastly, this is what God has for you. A totally new body. That is fashioned like unto the glorious body of the Lord Jesus. And that body will know no sin. There's no sin in my spirit. No sin in my soul. No sin in my body. Hallelujah. And we will be virgins unto God forever. We will be virgins unto God forever. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. That, that should encourage you. What love, what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon you. Hallelujah. Saved you from what you couldn't be saved from. Save you from what you could not be saved from. Save you. And now he's going to present you, Jude says. He's going to present you faultless, without blame, without sin, before the presence of his glory. 
with exceeding joy. With exceeding joy, not just faultless, without blame, but with exceeding joy. Then Jude says, to the only wise God, our Savior, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. And for you, forever. For you, forever. 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 Hallelujah. Wow. Thank you, Jesus. Wow. This is big. This is big. This is big. This is big. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Wow. You stay on your feet. Do you love Jesus? I want you to think about it. Think about what love for Jesus will do for you. How it just catapults you into dimensions unknown. Takes you out of the jurisdiction of condemnation. Cannot be condemned. Because there is now, there's now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. There's no condemnation. That's big stuff. Maybe somebody's here today and you don't know Jesus. The Word of God says if you desire to come after Jesus, you have to deny yourself. Take up your cross and follow him. It tells us something so enigmatic, it's puzzling. He says, for whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospel will save it. This is what he's saying. Get rid of everything that you want to do for yourself and give yourself in total abandon to him and live your life for him. Live this life now for him. And in the ages to come, he's going to do things so beyond what you can think or imagine now. It's for you. I've already given you a little glimpse into it showing you that one day we will be sinless and immortal. Jesus is, is, is sharing his immortality with us. We already have it in spirit. And we're, we're, we're understanding it in soul. And soon, spirit, soul, and body will have the immortality of Jesus Christ, of God. That's what he's, that's what he's saying. I didn't make that up. I didn't exaggerate it. I didn't, I, I'm not using what we call hyperbole. I'm not using exaggerated speech. This is what he said about you. So when somebody acts crazy with you, you, don't you go crazy. All right? You love Jesus? This is what I want you to know. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus, you can know him as we leave here today. And if you don't know Jesus, you say, Pastor, I want to know him. And I like what I heard today. I want you to shoot your arm up, and I want you to leave it up until I can see it or somebody shows that to me. You say, I'm coming to Jesus today. I'm gonna, I'm gonna give him my heart today. I want you to raise your hand up high so somebody can see it around you. I'm not gonna embarrass you. Don't worry about that. Don't worry about that. Don't even think about that. Anybody here? Anybody? We had a couple of people in the first service. Nobody, everybody saved here? Everybody saved? Okay. Everybody who is saved, I'm asking you to raise your right hand. 
to the Lord. Raise your right hand to the Lord if you're saved. Okay, looks like to me everybody was telling the truth earlier. Wow. Okay. Well then, hands down. Let's be everything we can be for the Lord, okay?